3: 92.9 ESPN.
1: Now, 92.9 FM ESPN presents Memphis's Biggest Columnist. You ain't got to do nothing, homeboy. You ain't writing nothing. <laughs> no, you ain't writing nothing. I ain't
0: letting him write
3: I ain't
2: getting
1: no interviews. It's the award-winning Jeff Calkins from The Daily Memphian and The Jeff Calkins Show. I don't
2: get no interviews. I know. I'm good. I'm good.
1: On 92.9 FM
2: ESPN. Gentlemen, this is something they call a groundbreaker. So let me first apologize to the shirts and the ties for your
3: makeup.
2: Cause I make you
3: ugly.
2: As soon as it drops, we're on a rap, babe. Bubbles popping up before you know it. There's rubble in the office, we'll be pushing it up. Somebody say, you better.
0: Happy Thursday and Happy uh, National Burger Day! I once, Brad, you do you remember? Do you remember early on, Br- Brad Carson, of course, sitting in for Jeffrey, who's home with Josephine, uh, young Josephine. Uh, there was one time that I was early on in this radio, in this, in the history of this radio show, and uh, I was talking to someone and I was talking about hamburgers and you sent me a text. Do you remember this? It said, I, I, I know it legendarily because John and Martin and I have talked about it literally ever since. Anytime this topic comes up, the text said burger talk question mark. That was the text. Like, like you were at least trying to steer me away from burger talk. No, not at all. It said burger that that's that's how I saw it. Not burger at all. talk. Much... And now burger talk has become let's be honest yes. a staple of well, this show. A staple. <laughs> a staple. Well, what we is this show about if not Fishman and Sam Hardiman and burger talk? One of the and things And occasional sex therapists. I was thinking
1: about Jeffrey this morning. One huh? of the things that we don't reveal on the air that makes this station
0: great is, is our early
1: evaluations of things when they're early if you follow. <laughs>
0: It is interesting how that, that works. It is interesting how it works. Things do develop. There were days we don't talk about ratings because you're not allowed to, right? You literally can't. We're, we're not it's, supposed to get it is into weird, the, the weeds on it. It is weird that like there's a there's a there's a publication that puts out quarterly ratings and people can see them and yeah. see what we do every single day. some top line numbers. But there were times that particularly, it is. This is one of the interesting things, and John will admit this. The show with when it was me and John did not rate well relative to what it does now. And it's weird because we have such, we're such great friends and we have such great chemistry. And I love this when he's in here for a, when he's love when he's in here for a segment every week, but he and I are better apart than we were together. There's no question that's true. And you just try to figure things out. You look at, this is just to get into the weeds a little bit. You're like, like, okay, well the, the third part of the first hour, everyone's bailing. What's happening there? Yeah. Or whatever. We do break this down occasionally. Now we're just rolling along. We don't really Try s- not to. stop and think about yeah. it. You only do it. Honestly, you know what you do it? When you're sucking. Exactly. You do it when you're sucking. You yeah. do a little self-analysis of when you're sucking. Now I talk about burgers with impunity, although I probably won't so much today because uh, I'm a little sad about Jennifer Beats. who want like I yeah. normally have her on to talk about. And I don't have... I don't have a favorite burger. I mean, uh, Huey's is obviously the everyone's favorite burger. It, it has Huey's in the in the in the you know best of Memphis. poll crushes everything. But like then there's the Topps burger. Then there's the Belmont burger. Then the Alex's Tavern burger. Then there's the well, the burger that I have not had that I want to have is the Bishop burger. At Bishop, the restaurant Bishop. Oh. I am told it's a great burger. Folks Folly, evidently, on some certain yeah. days, Jennifer used to talk about you could go to the bar and you could get the burger. I've never had that burger. Um, so there are, I'm certain, a lot of great burgers. And do you have a favorite burger? Do you ever eat a burger when you order out? Yes.
1: Yeah. I, I, I love burgers. I love it. But a some people, good, you cook them at home. Burger. But do, yes. you, you, do
0: you do it when you order well, out?
1: Well, Humphreys over at Folks Folly also sells the meat out the back there. Do you do that? We have on occasion. You no, done it's, that? It's risen. The has gone up there. The, uh, my father, I get some straight off the must, organic farm. You must
0: be getting big bonuses no. here. No, so we the only we thing had a I can assume is the only thing is no. you are getting. Dan is really no. rewarding you I for do the not, way the hum, I do not has. shop
1: Humphreys on the regular. That was like one time, and it was uh, it's it's delicious. I
0: do uh, like Folks Folly though. Yeah, I've, I'm, um, I'm a big fan. I just I, never had the burger. So I I think that uh, you
1: know your your staples, your Hueys, and all of those places are good.
0: That's is that, very make, me, is that very make me political? Is that make me like no kind of hokey? For, well, you know the other one. The other Jennifer used to say that the very best. Do you know the answer to this? She would say the very best fast food burger. She had a very clear. Freddy's. Freddie, you nailed it. Nailed yeah, it. Freddy's is the best burger. It is my favorite burger of all burgers. Or the best yes. fast, of the best yes. of the
1: fast food of the fast food category. Jake and I
0: uh, use Freddy's as a staple, and their fries are good too. And so when you go to Freddy's. Is there? A, do you like it? Get a single or a double? Like it? Was there some way to? Is there some magic to order? Freddy's What's double the, bacon cheeseburger, double, yeah. bacon cheeseburger yeah. at Freddy's. Yeah. How often will you and Jake get go to Freddy's? About every two weeks. That's perfect. Yeah. And that's the kind of thing, by the way, that twenty years from now, you'll remember having gone, and he will remember Freddy's yes. affectionately. I love it. And so having much. gone to Freddy's, <laughs> we went last night to. Uh, What's your favorite, Jeff? I don't like. I said I don't have a favorite. Like a fast food, there's not even a like. Like if you think I'll eat them all, I'll eat the hell out of all of them. I'll I'll eat. As I've said before, I have been known to go on strings where I get McDonald's burgers regularly. Not because I think they're good as burgers; they just are what they are. They're their own category of thing. It's just they don't taste like. They have nothing. They don't at all resemble. A Huey's burger or an Alex's Tavern burger—it's no. just their, oh, the it's Alex its own great. thing. It's just its own thing. It's just so I'll eat those. I love. Jeffrey and I are united in this, and Fishman. I think this is his. I love the uh, the fake charcoal taste of a, of a Burger King burger. Have you had Cookout? I think. I've only been to Cookout once. Cookout confuses me. The I menu's love so cookout. big, people love rave about Cookout. Love it. It's better than Whataburger. There's one on Winchester right next to Whataburger now. I've, um, Five Guys is a great burger. Mm. It's just, it's just expensive. It's just expensive, and I have to walk in, and the fries are terrible. So I oh, they're awful. don't really go to Five Guys give you a very often. World. But that's a hell of a burger. Anyway, uh, however you personally choose to celebrate, I went to, uh, they have a something. We went to to uh, we went to Hog Hominy last night as a family because that's one of the places where I've I have two sons home now, and uh, and so we all went out, and it's nice because I can go with. Uh, I, we've reached. I I I it's it's me, Peter, Ben, Claire, my my flame, beautiful, and my ex wife. Oh wow, it's that's nice. nice. It's nice we can hang like that. Wow, they even hugged. That's wonderful. They even hugged. Yeah. You have a special relationship nice? with all sides of your well, family. Well, I also have a special relationship with and hominy because they bring a, they have a, just it's yeah. fa- fantastic food. They have a John T. burger there that I we did not get, but I'm in love with the poutine. Yeah. I, I, honestly, I'm in love with the underrated uh, at Hagen-Hominy is the lemon meringue pie dessert thing, It's which is made with some sort of a frozen confection, but it's also lemon meringue And it's not anything mm. people tick off when they think about it. Chris Harrington likes the peanut butter pie there, and I I second that as well. But anyway, happy Burger Day uh, to you wherever you are. Uh, I no longer question it, and I think
1: you've earned the right to talk about, frankly, whatever you want. Excessive
0: heat warning today, 100 degrees, uh, so uh, enjoy that, ladies and gentlemen. We don't have Jeffrey, but all things are Evidently going well for that young family, and so that is wonderful. Today on the radio show, we do a Frank Bonner from the Daily and He is next. Uh, I wanted to have him on for a couple of reasons. One is uh, they're doing some new things out at uh, the the the, fo- the football stadium, including the Tiger Head, the infamous Tiger Head, which was once not inflated properly, and D'Angelo Williams couldn't run through it. It was a hilarious moment of of uh, back when the football program – it sort of symbolized the state of that football – the neglect of that st- football program once upon a time. Anyway, they're not – now that they're moving it out, and you can get – they're moving out onto Tiger Land. They're not running through the inflated football head anymore. Uh, and there are other changes that they are making. Secondly, uh, Ryan Silverfield spoke yesterday, and uh, in Frank's story, he said, very upbeat – Very upbeat, now maybe this is the time of year when everyone is upbeat, but still, very upbeat, I thought was um, interesting. And then, finally, I have this question. Earlier there was a story, national media story, I think it was Dellinger, who said that, uh, that that Ryan Silverfield was on a sizzling hot seat. Sizzling hot seat. And so I started thinking about, once you're on a sizzling hot seat, can, like, how does, can he get off the hot seat? Is it, is it possible? And here's an interesting thing. I've thought about this because there are some actually now. It used to be said that once you are on a hot seat, you're never off the hot seat. Like, and if you look back at Memphis basketball and football, and John Martin has a column up about this very topic. If you look back at, at Memphis basketball and football, once Tubby was, people had made up their minds about Tubby. Was there any way Tubby was going to get off the hot seat? Once Josh Pastner, once people had made up their minds about Josh Pastner, was there any way he was going to get off the hot seat? Once, uh, you know, pay, you know, tick price had a different kind of hot seat. So that was completely different. Even Rip Shear at the end, or Tommy West, or once they get on the hot seat, can you get off the hot seat? And the it used to be said, like Gary Parish used to say this all the time, that once you're on the hot seat, you can't get off the hot seat. Yeah, because and even if you do temporarily one mediocre year, and you're right back on the hot seat. But the truth of the matter is we have seen coaches recently, I'll just give you two, who were on the hot seat and are now n- clearly 100% not on the hot seat. Jim Harbaugh is one. Jim Harbaugh was 100%. He was like, I can't believe they're not firing him. He's going to take less money. He's, you know, and th- everyone hating him. And then all of a sudden he goes out and beats Ohio State and does it again. And all of a sudden, like, he's not on any. And then now they're, you know, whatever, they're, they're, Predicted to go to the playoffs this year, he's not on an any damn hot seat. Even oh, he's, he's off. He's, yeah, and you know who? I don't. I don't think Mike Norvell at Florida State was ever a sizzling hot seat, but he was like,
3: yeah, "Get him was, out of here, he bringing Dion, yeah. uh, bringing
0: Dion," and, yeah. and 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 there are others. Yeah. Um, and so I do think we have now seen examples. It is possible to be on the hot seat and get off the hot seat. And I'm going to ask Frank if there's a perception, if he has a perception. That Ryan is even on a hot seat. But also, what does he have to do? What does he have to do to get off the hot seat? So anyway, uh, Frank Byron is going to join us uh, in the next segment. Chris Harrington is going to join us straight up at 10 o'clock the way he always does. And then we are going to play Writer Than Write Trivia, even though, (laughs) even though we do not have Jeffrey right so there we go we do brad you were and and the way we're going to do this is we're going to sub in a celebrity uh chelsea chandler's going to join us she's going to be playing jeffrey wright today i haven't discussed this with jeffrey i don't think that chelsea's performance is going to count uh, and his record. Against yeah. four or against See, his record.
1: And in the in the X tweet that I put out earlier, I didn't reveal it. I didn't know if you were going to make it a big surprise, like a no, reveal no, no, that who, no, of who Chelsea. it is. It's, it's Chelsea. Chelsea.
0: The, the, the meteorologist from and, Fox 13. And you will be playing for, uh, is this is this an either or choice? Yep. Is that right? That's right. So you either at Bank Plus can either have tickets to Nickelback mm-hmm. on September 17th or this Friday night. Yes. To Koei Wetzel. Co Wetzel, Co Wetzel, yeah, I'm not familiar. Bank with Bank Plus, Co. what sort of person? What sort of? What is Co Wetzel? I'm not as familiar. As <laughs> We're not, but you knew it was uh, Co and not Coe. It's like a country rocker, country dude, rocker. I think, yeah, country so alternative rock go. dude. He's go. pretty popular. I'm sure he is. We wouldn't be giving out these fine prizes if not. Yep. Co Wetzel Friday night he sings a song called "Good Die Young." That's pretty popular. Bank uh, Plus yep. or Nickelback on September 17th. All you have to do is be writer than Chelsea, I'm not going to make any representations about whether that is easier or harder than to be writer than right. It can't be, it can't be harder because Jeffrey wins every week. He's incredible at trivia. I really am astounded at how good he is. He's very smart. He's also, he is very smart, but like the questions sometimes can be so freaking random and he still knows them. He also is a good guesser, which, like yeah. the SAT or ACT, is a, is a critical yeah. skill. And and since he started doing the trivia, he prepares. He pays attention to the does. world yeah. to the world around him. I paid attention last night. Uh, did to, you watch this debate? Did you watch any of it? You I did had not. to turn. And I'm like Harrington. I,
1: I I saw the first answer on climate change, and I'm like, no, With no. All,
0: it was listen. I don't. You you know me. All, all you people know me. I don't like to. When it comes to my political uh, leanings, I'm sure I'm we're, a complete— it's, it's, We're still wondering. I'm yeah. a complete mystery yeah, to we're still, all of you. Still wondering. I'm a complete mystery to all of yeah. you. The debate was wild. It was like so it crazy. Was wild. Who is
1: the, 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 the Indian gentleman that uh, you spoke Vivek, of? Ve- he Ve- is—he's a, he's a maniac.
0: He is. He's a wild-ass dude. Well, what's interesting is he really won. Don't you he, think? Because like, he, he, he dominated. dominated it. The he he damn, took it over. He took. For, now some of his answers were bananas, but for a guy who like no one had heard of. Uh, wow, a, what a wildcat! He, um, and and all of a sudden he's up there, and he is Vivek Ramaswamy. That's he is, him, um, the billionaire. He's up there, and he's he. Well, so in terms of amount of time that everyone spoke, Mike Pence spoke twelve minutes and thirty-seven seconds. Uh, Vivek Ramaswamy uh, spoke 11 minutes 47 seconds. Yeah. Chris Christie spoke 11 minutes and 22 seconds. The voice
1: of reason last night, by the way. Well, if you
0: reason, if you are, I mean, of a certain persuasion, he got booed every time he spoke. Like yeah. you wonder what the what the you do wonder. <laughs> Vivek it's, had a good uh, Vivek had a good line about him. He said he's auditioning for an MSNBC show because he's booed every time he talks yeah. because he basically says Trump did a bad thing by trying to steal the election yep. and and no one in that audience wanted to hear that and so he's booed every who's he debating for like it's a hard, unclear um he is uh, it's like a PSA basically in the middle of a debate so I mean I thought he was great but I don't think the people that he's, that he's trying <laughs> no. to win over think he's great he was but what's interesting is then Ron DeSantis in terms of and he's the he is the the he has better poll numbers than anyone else who was on the stage last night. He's yeah. still getting crushed by Trump, too. but he It's a two-man race at this point. he yeah. I don't even know if it's a two-man I think it's a one-man one, race yeah. at this point. I mean, if there's a second, it's DeSantis. But he DeSantis. was only fourth in amount of times who yeah. spoke. Ron DeSantis with 10 minutes and 22 seconds. Nikki Haley at 8.41, yep. Tim Scott at 8.15, and then the other two, my God. Asa. Doug Burgum and Asa Hutchison were just, <sighs> just... Were you we had, felt four or like five minutes? you felt like Asa Hutcherson should just have wandered off and gone and and sat down and played cards with a friend. Yeah, and there's no question. And um, and Doug Burgum, same like they they were oh. both they were and Tim too. In absolutely a sense. Yeah. irrelevant. Yeah. It, Tim, you could imagine is relevant in the sense that he could be a VP candidate yeah. or whatever else. I think is very possible. But it was wild. The the <laughs> the audience was wild. It was wild. The the moderators had a hard time maintaining control. The the the, and the, here's the thing about Vivek Ramaswamy. They hate him. Everybody hates him. But every time you mention his name, the way the debate, debate rules worked, he got to respond. Yeah. So everyone's like, I can't, Vivek. And then all of a sudden he'd got another 30 <laughs> seconds. Yes. And he comes across, by the way, as a. Go can ahead. I say? Can I say? Yeah. You ready? Dump this if I can. He comes across as a like a Harvard prick. Can I say that? Doesn't he like? He comes across. There's nothing likable about him. He is a arrogant p, isn't he? Like that's what he comes across as. He went to my alma mater. I'm like, come on, man. We're not like that. We're not like think we're. He thinks he's smarter than. He's insufferable. He's a tech bro who's insufferable. And he said wild things, he, he, but he's uh, really good at it. Like he is the most Trumpy of the people who were up there in the sense that he has the best grasp of how to get the spotlight on himself of anyone on that stage. For a guy who's a total amateur at politics. I think that's right. His answers,
1: I, I, there is a part of me that wants to like him. But when you hear his answers, like his answer on Russia, for example. He was the only one on the stage.
0: who's like, yep. Stop the money. To- yeah, no. He's like, stop uh, the I'm like, he's like, just he's just like, give like, him, give he, him, give him Ukraine. Yeah. I'm just like, hand over Ukraine. What? Stop. It's like, what? And by the way, yesterday was wild. How about that? Yesterday we had uh, interrupted in the in the middle of the of the day. All of a yeah. sudden, you hear about this quote unquote plane crash. Oh, yeah. A uh, dude
1: got killed in that crash.
0: Prigozhin, yeah. Prigozhin is of course. For those of you not following along at home, did Putin off him, Jeff? Of course he did. God, Prigozhin is the dude who led, and I'm sure most of you at this point probably know this. Even don't you think most people know this? He's the dude who led the. Yeah, it was a coup. Who led the in- insurrection yeah. against Putin? And was mo- mo- they were they were the Wagner group was moving against Putin? And all of a sudden it was on Saturday, I think. And all of a sudden they just stopped and turned around, and you're like. Well, that was interesting. And then it was, uh, well, and he's going to be allowed to live, and he's he's, going to have a truce with Putin. And people are like, this is weird, because normally people who oppose Putin, who even just say an unkind word about him, they're pushed out of windows and stuff and poisoned. (laughs) And this guy led a half coup, and he's going to be... Uh, living merrily, happily ever after. And then yesterday, he's on a plane, and shockingly, the the, uh, plane had an accident. The plane had an accident, and I would feel bad for uh, the people on that plane, except for the fact that they're awful human beings too. They kill people with sledgehammers. And I don't think that Putin cared a damn about, listen, because of his war... Half a million people or something have died. I don't think he minds another, if there were some, the, the pilot. I don't think he's really worried too much about the pilot, yeah, the, the crew of this plane yeah. who went down. Ugh. But you know what is it? If you come at the king, you best not miss, right? Isn't that what they say? I think that's what they say. I think pergozen He came at the king and he missed. But what's he doing on a damn airplane? He should stay off an airplane. He should, like, if once you decide that, you should move to some Go go someplace else. Disclose location yeah. and Ugh. just drink vodka for the rest of your life.
1: Well, and it's it's just like a, a you, there's video of it. You can go look at it.
0: There's video of the plane yeah, just, of the boom. plane and Frank. Done. All right. Well, um, okay. There are two 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 actual at least two maybe more if we get to them. Sporting events or sporting developments that I wanted to talk about uh, as as we get to the end of this first segment before we're joined by Frank and Chris and then Ryder than Chelsea Tripp.
1: Is it the little leaguers who look like they're 18 years old?
0: No. Okay. I'm contractually obligated okay. to talk about the ACC uh, and the yes. fact that it appears likely that SMU, Stanford, and Cal will be headed to the ACC. We thought, I'm so over this conversation. I am so over this conversation, mostly because, well, partly because I'm over it partly because I think the whole thing is disgusting Uh, and partly because of course it never ends well for Memphis. That's a big part of it. I would not be over it if Memphis were going to the ACC. Let's be clear. Let's be clear. So, um, but I am over it. I'm over it in terms of talking about it and seeing other schools um, succeed and at least temporarily getting over the fence. And the reason they are um, is that after, Last week, I guess it was UNC, NC State, Clemson, and FSU all objected, and you needed uh, you needed 12 out of 15 votes to get uh, to get into the ACC. All those objected, and so uh, they it, it it failed. Now uh, they've come back with richer offers. Stanford and Cal offering to forego uh, TV and money for for take a to take a smaller share. But then SMU was the shocking one. SMU said, "You know what?" You don't have to pass for seven years. Seven years. We'll just come on in. And here's the thing. You're going to be getting more. This is why they're, all of a sudden these very principled institutions are reconsidering because you're going to get more money from ESPN and you don't have to share it with the incoming institutions. And so what's happening now is the existing institutions are in the ACC are meeting to decide how to divide up this windfall. It's just like – it's just – it's it's purely a money play they're supposedly getting 72 million dollars in additional revenue is the ACC and that money can be divided and you don't have to divide it only did reduce shares to Stanford and Cal and no share at all to SMU crazy uh I Jarvis Greer made a great point talking to Gabe that back when Memphis was trying to get in the Big 12 there was all this blowback um about, I can't believe they're trying to buy their way in. Remember that? You remember that? I totally the, remember that. Yeah, the, the FedEx stuff, we're paying to get in. Oh, right. Ideas, how insulting uh, is this? They're trying yeah. to buy their way in. Beneath us. Well, uh, buying your way in seems to work pretty well yeah. now. And um, and I said yesterday on Gabe's show, and I believe this 100 percent that it's it's it, it's not unlike you know it, it it's not unlike America. Uh, the rich kid has a leg up, you know, the rich, and, and mind, mind you, I'm aware of that. I came from a pretty privileged background myself, so I don't, I, it's not some freaking accident that, um, that, uh, all five brothers in my family went to Harvard in one way, shape or form. It's not because my dad was rich and gave money, but, but it's because I grew up with all kinds of advantages, you know? And so rich people, uh, people privileged, people whatever, have huge advantages and that is very clearly, um. Uh, SMU is the rich kid. And so if you're looking at the hardworking blue collar, uh, kid, that's Memphis who has in fact accomplished more than the rich kid, that's SMU. Just look at the, look at their athletic records, which one has accomplished more, the hardworking blue collar kid, but who comes with the open checkbook from daddy? Well, that's SMU. And, uh, and, and it's nauseating to me. And I do believe I once put it and in a way that people objected to that I think that, that uh, I asked the question whether uh, any of this was, was racially based. I'll say this about it. I, th- I don't think it's uh, clearly not explicitly about that, but I do think it is about the kind of school you are sadly matters. And instead of celebrating the kind of school that Memphis is, which is a school that gives opportunities for first-generation kids, for people who have to work while they go to school, for all of that, instead of celebrating that and saying, my God, we want that kind of university in our conference, they look at, they'd say, yeah, no, we want we want that one that looks kind of like Wake Forest, you know, like it's a private institution with you know, kids in polo shirts and like the, it's it's going to be SMU, we'll, we'll take them. And so I really think that there is a bias against the type of school that Memphis is. It's one reason that buying your way in once upon a time was looked at as like, oh, you can't buy your way in. No, I guess you can't if you're Memphis, but you can if you're SMU, buy your way in. I think there's a lot of things operating here. Money is obviously is, is the foremost thing that is operating here but I don't think it's the only thing that's operating here and then in terms of like it others have made the point that SMU could well join the ACC and before their 7 years of getting no money are up the ACC could blow up right that that's very possible and so you're like it's is, it's at a risk they're taking 100% because Florida State still wants out and once Florida State wants out then Clemson will want out and then everything they'll they'll all like they'll want out and so it's very possible that SMU will join a conference and take no money for seven years, and will never enjoy the windfall at the other end. That's very possible, but they still will be in a better place because they'll be affiliated with, with uh, Louisville and with Boston College and with and yeah, like with the other schools that are not Clemson uh, and uh, and uh, Florida State and presumably UNC whatever in the ACC. Um, so I don't blame SMU at all for doing this. I think they're probably I think they're wise to do. If you've got an extra hundreds of millions of dollars floating around, go ahead and use it to this end. Uh, but I am discouraged by it, of course. And then the second thing is the Michael Orr case um, popped up again yesterday. His uh, lawyers demanding an accounting of the money and. I'm not going to go on and on about this. There is no evidence whatsoever that the Tui family isn't totally happy to give him accounting of the money. In fact, I find this story, and mind you, as you know, I'm kind of a left leaning pinko in many ways. I believe in the underdog. I believe that uh, that this country has oppressed black people for centuries. Uh, all of that, I do not believe that the Tui's are evil here, or that anyone has been screwed out of a single freaking penny. And I think the way people have run with this story, it because it fits into their because it fits into their predisposed narratives. They don't I haven't stopped to look at the actual facts of this story and people thought when this story broke that it was like oh conservatorship this is like Britney spears the tuies are just are, are ta- have taken michael michael Orr, and they've taken all his money off all these years and they haven't let him do anything and this is pathetic and they've taken huge advantage of him i literally have seen and if i do i'm if we if if there is evidence of this i will 100% reverse my opinion but I've seen no evidence that they have stolen a single freaking cent. If you want to tell me that they took in Michael Orr because he played football instead of post a violin, I will believe that. If you want to tell me that they profited in other ways off of his celebrity and that they enjoyed being the twoies of blindside, I, I will believe that. But it seems to me that this is actually an arrangement. They helped Michael Orr. I think it's kind of indisputable. They helped him achieve the grades, the the scores, whatever else to get into college in the first place. Michael Orr went on to make $34 million playing NFL football and he may have done it, but for the two we don't know. But did the structure help? I, I don't see how you can deny it didn't help. And so far I have seen no, and, and, and then yes, the, the conservatorship they came up with the conservatorship. They say, um, they say, because the NCAA was looking at him. That story to me has the ring of truth. Could they have adopted him? Yes, they could have adopted him at that point. Although other people tell me that the adoption would have taken longer. Whatever. But the conservatorship—if they had then run all of his deals through the conservatorship, taken half of his contract, NFL money, his shoe money—if they had—if they had treated him like the Britney Spears situation, by all means. Clobber them, rip them apart, call them vultures, whatever you want. But it seems to me pretty obvious that there that no one got rich off of this movie except for the movie the, the movie company. And so, if there is some evidence that emerges of the two hundred and fifty million dollars or whatever however many dollars that comes off that Michael Orr didn't get that they got. I will lead the charge. But right now you see things on social media about look at pictures of the uh, TUIs the in Europe. Look at the life they led off of Michael Orr. They led that life because they sold their company for $215 million. And Michael Orr got $34 million playing football. Like who's the loser here? Who, like who, who's the loser in this situation? Seems to me that Hugh Freeze did pretty well. Seems to me the Tui's did pretty well. Seems to me that Michael Orr did pretty well. If you want to argue anything about it, it seems to me that you could go back and say that when they did the original deal in the first place, what they should have done is made sure Michael Orr got more money. And I can, I can, I can instead of saying, "Listen, we don't." We we just want the message to get out. We don't really need the money. The $250 million that we get and divide five ways will be fine, and then we'll divide everything. I I can hear that argument. But this idea that, like, the Tui's are thieves or something? They said last week that they will do an accounting, and I do believe they will do an accounting, and I believe it will be pretty easy to do. So we'll see. And, again, I I will – I will happily uh, change my mind Not, if if facts emerge that the Tui's have been siphoning money out of Michael Orr's bank account. So far, I've literally seen no evidence of that, and I've seen nothing to Like, so yeah, it'll it'll continue to be headlines because people love this story that the Tui's are living high in the hog off of the O'R off of Michael Orr. I just don't believe it to be true. That's my instinct right now, and maybe I'm wrong. All right, we're going to take a break. Come back, we'll talk to uh, Frank Bonner on the other side. Jeff Calkins, show 92.9 FM ESPN. I'm
1: Ryan Horvath with BeckQL. QL. We're taking a look at college football win totals this season. Take a look at UTEP, whose win total in the Conference USA is at 5.5. They bring back 15 starters from a team that finished 5-7 and seven last season. They also bring back their starting quarterback, Gavin Hardison. Their starting running back, Deion Hankins. And they have the best offensive line in the conference with four starters back. On defense, they bring back seven starters. I'm Ryan Horvat. Bet smarter and beat the books with BetQL and download the BetMGM app.
0: Today. Well, hey, if you like fishing, I've got the uh, event for you. Benefits the United Way of the Mid South. Sponsored by Valero. It's Valero. It's Bill Dance. It's the United Way of the Big of the Mid South. United Way, of course, does incredible things in the community. It's the largest charitable foundation uh, in the Mid South, and they put together something called the Real and for Good Bass Fishing Tournament. And the way it works: Friday, 15th, from 6:30 a.m. to 2:30 p.m. Grand prize: ten thousand dollars. Tournament takes place at Tunica Cutoff, Wolf River Harbor, McAllister Lake, Horseshoe Lake, and the tributaries and oxbows of the Mississippi River, where Brad Carson is, is known to frequent. Anyway, all you got to do to uh, to fish for a good cause who needs a good who needs an excuse anyway to fish to fish for a good co- cause you just got to text you. UW Fish. That's United Way Fish. UW Fish. Text it to 30306. 30306. UW Fish to 30306. Start the process. More information. Get involved in the Valero Reeling for Good tournament. Benefiting the United Way of the Mid-South. Alright, joined by Frank Bonner from the Daily Memphian. Frank Bonner today brought me the news, the really sad news, that the Memphis Tiger head uh, is no longer, they're not going to be running through the Memphis Tiger head anymore, Frank. What say you? Is this true? They're not going to be running through the giant inflated Memphis. But here's the good news. Other fans can, right? Is that the idea?
3: Yeah, it it seems like it. And honestly, I'm not a... Tiger head guy? You're not a Tiger head expert? Yeah, I mean, I'm not. I, I don't... I'm, I'm I'm indifferent about it either
0: way, you know. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm pretending to be enthusiastic about it one way or another. I actually think it has been a part of the pregame thing, and it's kind of fun. And it, but now people will be able to get their picture taken with the tiger head uh, before the game out on Tiger Lane. All right. Well, moving on then, Frank. You wrote today also that Ryan Silverfield. I think the way you described it in your story, people can read it at the Daily Memphian. Very upbeat.
3: Is that true? Very upbeat? Yeah, he was uh, He was in, in, in a really good mood. And I think, you know, I think I also said in the story, I mean, what, what college football coach is not at, around this time, right? I mean, uh, you're close to the football season. Nobody's won or lost the game yet. Um, you know, he was – you could tell that he was um, in a good mood to be this close to uh, week one against Bethune-Cookman.
0: Don't you think – I I sort of agree with that. Like, no one at this point has lost a game, all of that. Um, But I do think that, and I've talked to Gabe about this, coaches have an idea at this point. They don't know for certain, but they have an idea at this point of what they have and, honestly, of what they don't have. And so I think – I don't necessarily think every coach is in a good mood. I think some coaches are starting to worry like hell – and the f- I I'm, gonna, I'm maybe I'm just being an optimist here because I need this season to be big and I'm hopeful that it will, but I'm going to take the fact that he was in in a in a good mood as a good sign.
3: Yeah, and he kind of mentioned, you know, during during that press conference, he did say that like, uh, going into fall camp, one thing he said he was he was trying to see if they wouldn't come together as a team and all that, and he said they did, but. Uh, he he did mention that the pieces that he has he he likes. Um, and if you're looking for optimism, let's not forget the comments that Seth Hennigan said about he most feels talented the most team talented. ever. Yeah. yeah. Joseph Skates told me um, at the bowling event when I when I had a one-on-one with him that he feels like this is the most talented team he's ever been on since he started playing football. Period. Um, and so you know you can take that, you know, do what you want with that, but. Inside that locker room from the players and the coaching staff, I know outside a lot of people are wondering what they have. Well, they feel like they have pieces. They feel like, you know, and then Ryan said that he feels that Simeon Blair is going to be one of the best DBs in the country. I mean, they are excited about what they have on the roster. We'll just have to see if it all comes together like they think it will.
0: And, I, I mean, here's the other thing. Ryan can be upbeat. There are times he can also sound a little beleaguered, like, uh, you know, it's, uh, we got uh, jobs harder than it used to be, all of that stuff. So I'm going to take, a, like I said, I'm going to take an upbeat Ryan as a good sign. In terms of specific things that he said, I am interested in the running back situation. I know you have a, let's be honest, I think we can tell the world, you have a crush on Sutton Smith and uh, and you believe in Sutton Smith. And it was interesting yesterday that when Ryan talked about running backs, the first name out of his mouth was Sutton Smith.
3: Yeah. Um, and obviously I'm not the only one uh, that is that high on Sutton Smith. I mean, they've been talking about this this uh, athlete since his freshman year last year. And Ryan doesn't really talk about freshmen the way that he has Sutton Smith. And so that gave me reason to be like, hey, is, is he good? And I know we only saw him 29 carries, but his skill set, I think, uh, and even Ryan said, yes yesterday that he will be on the field um they'll use him in a lot of ways uh and what was interesting about him saying Sutton's name first is he kind of went down after Sutton he said Blake Watson then he said Jamion Ducker and then it took him a while to get to Brandon Thomas and then after he talked about those four he made he said the comment that um you know those first three names you're going to see on the field quite a bit so although he may not have gave you who was gonna be one, two, three, I think in those comments he gave us who the top three running backs are. And Sutton Smith is one of them along with Ducker and Blake Watson. Now we'll see what the totem pole is, but um I believe that you've got to have Sutton Smith at worst your number two guy.
0: So at Sutton Smith and then of course Blake Watson Blake Watson is the transfer from old Dominion and Javon Ducker is a last year's leading rusher. Just to talk about Brandon Thomas for a minute, um, how many years have you covered the team now? Was last year your first or second?
3: Second. This I'm heading okay. into my third. Uh, I'm oh. heading to my third season, and this month was my second year on the job. So,
0: I once upon a time, I really I think I even wrote this once. Like, is Brandon Thomas the next great running back? He had a stretch in there a couple years ago before he got hurt, where he looked like he was it. And uh, it just never has materialized. And I don't know if it was injury or whatever, but the fact that he then separated that he, that he talked about the first three names and separ- you know said those three before he got to Brandon Thomas is kind of interesting to me. Do you know whatever happened to Brandon Thomas? Like wh- I, did, did you I, he was he was incredible I, I don't know I don't even was he the last running back to run for a 100 yards on this team?
3: yes and the the year what well, you're talking about that was my first year on the job my first season covering And those first three weeks i mean from a number standpoint his numbers are like among the best in the country uh and then Didn't like, it, like said, wasn't the
0: arkansas state game involved in there like every time he touched the ball it felt like he was going 80 yards of course that was arkansas state you know i mean that was maybe an illusion
3: yeah and then i was like you know um I know he had put the ball on the ground a couple yeah. of times and then the injuries happened. And I don't think that he just ever got over the injury hunt. But if you remember even last season to start the year, he they kind of gave him the keys first in terms of the number of carries. And it just didn't matriculate into the Brandon Thomas that, that everybody saw you know, a couple years ago. And so I do think injuries were a big part of that. Um, and then I don't know what goes on in the psyche of an athlete after you've had a few injuries. I don't know if, you know, there's a mental component coming back from that or not. Like, you know, only Brandon can, can say, but I wonder if that's some of the, the part also, uh,
0: any other position battles you also wrote about, uh, let's talk about the offensive line just cause it's been such a problem over these last couple of years. How, how is he feeling about it? And what is your assessment about, uh, the offensive line?
3: Uh, I think the offensive line will be better. Um, it seems to be, I mean, not even just talking to Ryan, I mean, even talking to Jacob likes over a, uh, uh, the media days, they seem to be all on the same page about what needs to happen with the offensive line. They like the pieces they have. I don't think it was a um, surprise to see Pounders. He basically named Pounders as, as a starting left tackle. Um, I mean, he was the front. I mean, I thought he would be the front runner as soon as the, the year ended. Um, the right tackle position, it's still up in the air. Um, me personally, I, I I think I like. If I had to guess, I would probably guess Terrence McLean. Um, you know, we'll we'll see. Uh, but they're still trying to figure out their right tackle position. But you know, with a new offensive uh, line coach. I think the the atmosphere around that offensive line is that it will be better. Um, they seem a little bit more rejuvenated about what they're trying to accomplish this year. And if that's true, then you gotta you gotta anticipate that the run game will. Or at least get back on track in in some fashion. Uh,
0: And then finally, uh, John Martin has a piece up, the headline, I I haven't read the piece yet, so I can't comment exactly, but the, the piece is basically, can Ryan Silverfield win back the masses? It won't be easy. And that's an interesting way to put it. Like, can, I don't think, like, I, I saw someone earlier this week said he's on the sizzling hot seat. I don't think he's on a sizzling hot seat just because, A, I don't think there's money to an ambition to buy him out, even if he has a mediocre record again this year, let's just say. So I don't know how hot his hot seat is. I think some people want him to be on a really hot seat. Some people think he should be on a hot seat. Some people think it should be a warm seat. Whatever else, it's it's got a little temperature to it anyway. Um, but once you've gotten to the point that people start to be out on you, it used to be said that you could never get back. Like, even if you got back. But the truth of the matter is, lately, you look around, Jim Harbaugh was clearly on the hottest of hot seats. He got back. Mike Norvell was kind of on a hot seat. It felt like, to me, he got back. There have been other examples. I don't know. what, And I'm sure it's not anything Ryan sits there, and he can't control it, so I'm sure it's not anything he worries about. But you've been here now for a few years. What's your perception of
3: that? Yeah, honestly, I think, if you win, you can, you, can, you can get fan bases back because, honestly, that's really what all the fan base wants is for you to win, right? And so if Ryan – now, I'm not saying he's going to – What is winning?
0: What is winning? What qualifies as winning? That's the problem. Is seven wins winning? Is eight wins winning? Is nine wins winning? is Do you have to go to the championship game to win? What, what so I- gets it from 11,500 season tickets to
3: 13,000? Well that's not going to happen in one season for one, right? There has to be Period. um
0: even if you go even if you win the conference championship, you don't think you can get the, the you don't think you can go from 11,500 to 13,000? It's only 1,500 extra season tickets. That
3: well, should be a re- he, Don't you think? Yeah, no. maybe 13,000. I I read um John Martin's uh mm-hmm. I read I read the piece and in in, in the, I think one of the numbers he mentioned was like 20,000, so that's where my mind was. All
0: right. that, bet- that's not happening in a season. No, that is not happening right, in a right. season.
3: Um, and so uh, I do think that, like you said, what, what does winning look like? I'm less concerned about – obviously the, the, the total wins has to be to a, a favorable number. But I'm more concerned about the conference standings because that's where – I think that's what's the most important, right? And so Memphis needs to be in the conversa- – like mathematically still able to make the championship game in the last two or three games, you, do weeks. you you don't really do you really believe
0: that if Memphis is mathematically in the championship game with two games left, but doesn't make the championship game, that wins people over?
3: No, it doesn't. It doesn't necessarily win. I mean, to to win people over, they have to be in the championship game, right? They have to be in the championship I think game. T- I
0: hate to say it. That's a it's a hard bar, but I think it's true. I think that's the bar. Yes, to now, win people over, those- not to what is a successful season or whatever else. We're talking about a different bar, and it's a crazy bar. But it's that bar was set by the by the mediocrity of the last two years. The reason this year has to be quote unquote special is because the last two years have been n- cl- so clearly not right. I mean, it's maybe it's unfair, but it's 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 like if you're talking about what brings people back, I think isn't that the bar?
3: Yeah, and in to talk about unfair. Um I mean, in in a lot of ways, being a head coach of of a program, (laughs) the expectations (laughs) by fans in a lot of ways are always unfair, right? Fans always have lofty expectations, and sometimes they're impatient about when they want them. And so uh, the unfairness is, is, I think, comes with the territory, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. All right. Uh, By the way, Frank, you've lived here for a while. And you live here in what has been a difficult time in Memphis, really. How have you liked your time in Memphis? You moved here how many years ago? This
3: is pretty much coming up on an anniversary, right? Three years? Uh, Two years ago. uh, August 2nd was my um, my two-year anniversary. How's it been? I like it. I I do think that Memphis um, has a lot of, cultural things to do and and they have a they have pockets of things to do for for everybody's interests right um which i do like now obviously uh like every city there are some 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 bad parts or whatever you want to call it um but i don't think you know i had family um who didn't know a lot about memphis coming in right and and, yeah. and you you only know about memphis what you hear and a lot of what you hear may not always be good right and so people are like, that was one of the main questions that you know you know, the the crime and this, this, and that. Well, for my birthday in July, even for my wedding, right, my my wedding folks came down and they liked it, but they didn't really get to see the city much. My birthday this past July, my family came down. We celebrated me and my mother's birthday, and we did things in the city, and they loved it, right? And so I think you just need to come visit Memphis and see Memphis, and you realize that, like, <laughs> Memphis is a good time. Uh, it's a lot of things to do here, and I, I, I like it. I enjoy it. I will say that um, there's some... You know, I, I have a stepson that's in high school, and there's some things about the school system that I would, I would, I wish were a little bit better. But outside of that, I enjoy it here.
0: Is it okay. Since since you brought it up, like that's been an interesting thing to negotiate, isn't it? Like figuring out what's the school the right fit. I remember you were astounded that there weren't, and I don't remember at what particular schools you were talking about or whatever. But just like the level of training staff at high school games and stuff, there wasn't like a trainer. Is that something that you've in Countered, or w- when you talk about your how hard it has been, or the challenges of raising a kid here, is it sorting out the school system stuff, or is it that it's under resourced in some ways? What what's the been
3: the challenge? Yeah, um, I, I think um, under resourced would probably be the 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 word to use, especially like I'm not used to um, public school sports having to basically in my opinion, be like a, a pay for play type of situation, right? I'm in Indiana, it's it's not like that, right? So if you play football at a public school, you don't have fees like you did playing for a club team or or, or so right. on. Uh that's not the same here in Memphis, or at least not an experience. Wait, that... Your
0: kids you're you have to pay there's fees associated with playing on a public school team in Memphis?
3: Yeah. Um and I, I wasn't aware of that. Um, I, I, I I wasn't aware of it until you just said it.
0: Yeah. Huh? Like right, to play football, it, you buddy, play you you're playing three hundred bucks or something? Like it. it's as if you're playing.
3: Uh, <laughs> well, I mean that's that's the number. It's, it's funny you, that that is the number.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's really three hundred dollars to play football. That's
3: crazy. Yeah. It should um, it should not cost money to play public school football. Yeah. And So things like that is just I had to get used to or understand or wrap my mind around. Um, And, you know, and then, like, on top of that, like, um.
2: Hey, everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL draft is behind us, and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app.